Y'all, welcome back. I'm super excited. Uh, Rob and John, friends of the show, they've been on a few times. They're coming back. Eric, thankfully, is back. We missed him last week, but uh, we're going to talk about the NCAA. Um, some would call it a sports organization. Some would call it a criminal cartel. I'm not really sure. E, what are your, what are your thoughts of the NCAA like as a whole going into this? What, what, what are your opinions? I mean, my opinion is that it's a very flawed organization that could or could not be corrupts kind of a weird word we throw around a lot. It certainly doesn't seem to have it, the intentions at heart that you would hope it would. And I think it's more or less focused on making money out of student athletes than promoting whatever the most beneficial lifestyle is for a student athlete or relationship between academic and athletics. All right. Rob, same thing. Yeah, just about. I mean, I just think it's a pretty hypocritical um, organization that makes false claims about what its true intentions are. Um, and I, I do believe that it facilitates lots of good things. There needs to be something in place to facilitate college athletics in some form or fashion. I think it's a good thing to have athletics tied to your college, but, um, the NCAA is an organization that says they enforce rules on programs and to further, you know, student athletes and their higher education, but routinely they fail to enforce in the way they say they will um, and that most of those decisions are driven by money so I just think it's a pretty hypocritical organization um, I think it does serve some positive function but um, it could be run a whole heck of a lot better than it is I think John should run it John do you agree uh, sure <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> John and I came up with a political party for him back in the day, the Jonathan party. So, Ooh, what's that I, for? Uh, being worked on. It's like 10 years in the making. Okay. Yeah. You know, it takes a long time to form an ideology. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. That. yeah no, it, I think, I think the, the main platform is a Tumnus in every kitchen, yeah. uh, a, a, a Johnito. Make in, Tumnus in every free again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So just to, like the term student athlete, is that even a fair term anymore? Like, I'm sure there's, you know, a couple of like co-ed soccer players. And like, I, I played like, you know, intramural co-ed basketball. I wasn't, I was, in my opinion, a student athlete. I was a student and I also, you know, kind of messed around with some athletics. In your opinion, the starting center on both the football and the basketball team, is that a student athlete? So I, I think student athlete is a fair term to use for, I'd say, 95% of the athletes that participate in NCAA sports because you have so many programs where people don't even go pro. And, you know, you can have an 80-person roster for NCAA football, and four of those guys are going to go pro. 30 of them think they're going to go pro, but there are 50 kids on that team that are going to, going to class, going to stick around for four years. So I think it is a fair term um, it, as it applies to most college athletes. Um, however, I think there are threshold issues in that a college athlete in say in their first semester only has to pass six hours worth of credits um, to stay eligible for the whole year for a basketball player. So a basketball player, the starting center on Kentucky, Joe, he, he has to pass six credit hours in his first semester in order to play a full season, he can play that full season and then bounce. So I don't count that necessarily as being a student athlete. 
because you go to college, you take six credit hours, and then you're gone. So, but that's basically two classes is essentially what you're saying. Like for for our for our many listeners abroad, in case you know everybody in France and in Italy that I love, I know tune in. That's two classes. Bonjour. Well, <laughs> I guess we all did graduate college, and it was tough. I dropped out. But you did get a degree, did you not? Yeah, but I didn't mean it. That was kind of just to get the parents yeah, off my back. Yeah, yeah. So do you think during that time when you weren't meaning it, you could have also played professional sports? Like you could have found time to actually enjoy playing that pro Frisbee golf? <laughs> but I think uh, that's the thing, though, is that to be an athlete, you also have essentially a 40-hour-a-week job on top of going to school. Yeah. That sort of defines you and takes away and sort of dictates exactly what your life is. So, like, I agree with Rob. Student athlete makes total sense because what there's like half a million people who are student athletes, and you know, X very very small percentage go pro or do anything other than just be student athletes. So, but it's weird that people who have certain time commitments for one thing, say in football or let's say basketball, like Rob was talking about, right? Like in the spring semester. You're traveling, you're going to games, you're practicing, you're doing all those things. Most of your time is going to be filled with basketball. So to expect that student athlete to do the same amount of academic work in the spring as like a track person would do, that seems, or a, what is a fall sport? Volleyball. Yeah. Like that's weird, right? Like it seems like there should be some sort of separation and some sort of like difference between what everybody has to do based off what you're doing per semester. It should be inverse. It should be athlete, student. I mean, you have, you have 12. So, so you have to pass six credit hours, right. To be eligible for that whole basketball year, but you have to be enrolled in 12 hours. So that's, that's that's 12 hours that you're spending in at a minimum on school. Right. And I don't know how much time y'all spent outside of your classes on a weekly basis. I mean, Maybe one week at mid-semester, and at the end, I spent more than 12 hours Not to do it much. if I had 12 credit hours on my record at that time. But uh, you, on a weekly basis, you're typically spending 12 hours on school. And then as, a, as an athlete, you're spending 40, 50 hours, you know, putting up more than a full-time job, pouring yourself into that um, athletic career that you're, you're pursuing. And so... You, you're an athlete first and you're a student second. There's no question about it. But there's a little ounce of student in there. So, yeah, I, I would still say athlete, student. I, li- I like that. That's kind of where I was aiming because athlete, I think, for a lot of these people, for, for the more key names, athlete first is kind of what I'm aiming at. For the ones that generate revenue? Exactly. That, that's kind of – and, dude, okay. here and Not generating revenue. Do you know how much revenue is actually generated? Like, it's it's insane looking at some of these numbers. Just 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 the coaches' salaries. And, like, it kind of depends on where you look. Like, Dabo Sweeney's close to $9 million. Nick Saban's close to $9 million a year. Like, Ed Orgeron's, like, $8.9 million. Like, there is so much money being generated generated that you can pay these coaches that much money. How can we then – That's the thing. They really shouldn't be able to do that, though, right? Like, isn't that part of the problem with COVID – and having to play is that in order for universities to be able to pay these coaches and to run these facilities that they've built for millions and millions of dollars and all that kind of stuff. Like they can't afford to skip a year. Yeah. So, That's why every conference is playing right now. So something I'll say is it's not just the NCAA that is hypocritical in this function. It's, con- it's yeah. conferences, which are a separate entity. 
and it's schools as well. Schools themselves, the universities themselves, universities yeah. themselves, and you know, uh, and, and I, I I hate to talk about an athletic program as the university. I think those are two separate and apart things. I do not think they are at all the same entity whatsoever. And that and and learning that really changed the way that I thought about college sports. I I'm a diehard UT football fan. That's what I cared about most growing up. I cared about UT football, welcome <laughs> Johnny. UT football and UT basketball. And that those are my number ones. Um, now I stopped thinking and doing some research on all this stuff back in the day. Um, I, I just came to realize that the athletic program is a professional sports franchise with multiple sports that are a part of it. Some of which you mu- you're required by law to spend on with title nine. You know, you have to match a men's program with a women's program. So it's, it's a large, it's, it's not just the Dallas Cowboys football team. But it's more like a European Real Madrid type thing where they have a basketball program. They have a soccer program. So they have multiple sports going on. But that's kind of how I started thinking about college sports back in the day as I started to dig in to numbers and how the revenue, these massive revenues that I think we'll talk about moving forward. But I, that's how I that's what started to frame uh, how I thought about college athletics. And um, really, it kind of diminished my um, love for my college teams. Instead of uh, thinking of them, hey, this is my school's program. This is my school playing football out there. It's it's a entity that is loosely tied to the school that I went to. And uh, they call themselves University of Texas football team. But they don't really have much of a tie to the university. They're not nearly as much as you would think. They share a mascot, but other than that, it doesn't seem like they're really sharing much else. I mean, they help Scott create an world. identity, but it's not like a, like no, the identity thing, they do that, but oh, like it's yeah. not necessarily that they have much to do with the school. Right. But then it is weird that then the president of well, the university well, is ultimately about, responsible for it. Yeah. It cares about, a lot. Roll about the clock to, you know, what's it? January said twelfth, two thousand five, when Vince Young won the national championship. We're eleven minutes in, and we're already name dropping the UT championship. (laughs) Check. Weren't we all one school then? I never went to UT, but on that day was the that had more to do with growing up in Austin, though, didn't it? And also, no, I didn't. I didn't do that at all. But okay, was the NCAA any less corrupt back then than it is today, and still making money off players? No, the money was different. Less, but were we young and less naive, and we believed, and it was our team who won? Yeah, I I don't think people dove into the business of sports like they have progressively over the last decade, decade and a half. I mean, you know that the the business of sports is something I I really love. I I I love watching basketball. I love watching the NBA, but I love the off season just as much because I love hearing about the contracts and the trades and the transactions. I love I follow the general managers and what they're getting paid and where they're going. So once once you know we started analyzing over the last decade, decade and a half, the numbers that were actually being poured into the NCAA and really started to uh, dig into this idea of amateurism and the preservation of amateurism. I think uh, with greater knowledge and greater information, we realized 
that that's diminished. That's not real. Amateurism isn't real. And to use a term that's used all the time, people just call it shamateurism now. And I think, and it's true. I mean, that's just, that's what it is. It was a nice cover, not even story, but it was a nice way to frame it early on, but you know, maybe a decade ago when a lot of this started really catching steam or, you know, moving forward faster, everybody started to talk about it. like calling them amateur athletes kind of just like delayed the fight. Cause like you could, well, no, they're just, and we got to, you know, we got to, we got well, to sort of help amateur. make the argument for the NCAA, right. It's sort of yeah. the, like it made the anti-pay players argument as a branding thing, right. It's like, no, they are student athletes. They're amateurs. Mm-hmm. They're am- we got to preserve amateurism the same way we got to pre- preserve the sanctity of marriage. It's a bullshit argument. It, it was just a way to delay the inevitability of realizing that these people, just like anybody should be able to get married. These kids should be allowed to make money. But the question is, how would you guys allow them to make money? Would, would you? Let's start here. At all? Would you? Would you allow them to make money? Nineteen-year-old kid, is he allowed to get paid at least for his signature? At least for you know signing autographs outside a game? Is, is that allowed? You know, how, how would you allow that, or would you? Yes, absolutely. And you know, there's a there's a case that went on forever um, with Ed O'Bannon. He was a forward at UCLA, um, and it's recently been resolved. And now. And moving forward, college athletes are going to be able to capitalize on their likeness with the way the courts have started ruling. But this this was locked up in the courts for a, over a decade. Um, but, you know, Ed O'Bannon was sitting at, in his UCLA dorm, you know, eating whatever they gave him for dinner that uh, he didn't get to. He got to choose between three options. And he was playing a video game with a left handed forward who was number 31 who looked a whole lot like him and he was just like what the heck how 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 do they get to take appropriate all of my likeness and put it on this video game and sell it for millions and millions of dollars and i get nothing out of it you know vince young made no money off of his jerseys you know that were being sold so i think i think moving forward certainly you know players should if their jersey is sold they should get some of that if they are put in a video game, they should get some of that. So, um, so I, I definitely think moving forward that college athletes should be able to capitalize on their likeness. I don't see why the NCAA should be able to restrain what you're able to capitalize on for your own personal, you know, characteristics. You know, um, so I think that's that's certainly an option. And then, you know, I think you do have to pay the players for this time and. You know, there's with surplus that goes into um, that that all these programs profit off of. There can certainly be something more than a six hundred dollar a month stipend that a player gets. Mm-hmm. Would you allow quote unquote superstars to make more, or would there be a flat rate? And you're you know we're just kind of guessing here, but would you? Everybody on the football team makes blank, or the quarterback makes this, and the second string tailback makes that. You know, so no, I don't. I think the way I would employ that would be, um, you know, from with the money that's coming from the school slash the NCAA, it's the same across the board. But if you're a superstar, you can profit off your likeness more because you know I am going to go buy a Vince Young jersey. And I'm not going to go buy, oh man, I'm trying to think of a bad Texas Longhorn from that team, but I just cannot. Um, but, <laughs> but I'm not going to go buy a Bo Scape jersey. I, y'all, y'all don't know. Yeah. No Rashad Bobino. Yeah, yeah. I'm not buying a Bobino jersey. <laughs> Deep cut. So, um, 
So yeah, uh, I, th I think that's where it balances out, where you increase these stipends that you give people um, and then it's even across the board, but then the stars are able to, you know, rein in some endorsements of some kind, you know, but, uh, because they're in higher demand. And so I think, I think that comes from an outside source other than the school or NCAA. And now I think there will have to be some check on that because you can't have a free market, um, with UT football boosters who own car dealerships paying $3 million to these guys. I mean, it's that it could get totally out of hand. So I think there has to be at some point a threshold um, where you check what somebody is able to make, but you can't cut out entirely what someone's able to make based on their name outside of your program. Why, why can't these colleges have salary caps, like $100 million? Yeah, that's not a bad idea. And they could pay those players. And those guys at 18 years old could go work for that dealership and make $3 million. Like Brett Bumble. You know? Well, <laughs> who could? Hey, man. Well, one thing I was thinking about was like, I bet like back when the NCAA came about, like college degree was a big thing. College degree doesn't mean as much as it used to. Right on. And so it's like right. when you're saying like, hey, your problem is a college degree. It's like, what the, what does that get you? Yeah, I, and I agree. People put so much stock in college degrees and, you know, the, the traditional track to be a successful American was go to college, get a degree, get a job. That is not that, – that traditional route has been totally wiped away the way just the economy as a whole has developed in our country. So, um, so I agree with you 100%, John, it is not the same traditional track that it was and a college degree does not hold as much weight as being skilled at something does now. So that would make the argument then that the inherent value of a scholarship for athletics is less valuable now than it used to be. So therefore paying, allowing players to earn money off their likeness makes more sense now than it did previously. Yeah. No, that's a great, cause I mean, in the same way, the minimum wage hasn't been raised in friggin' however much, but everything's more expensive now. Same thing. If you're still arguing that, well, they're getting a free college degree. It's not worth that $15 an hour or whatever minimum wage is, was worth a lot more in the seventies than it is right now. College degree. Yeah, in the the 70s. spending power of your, dollar. yeah, your degree meant. So I get that in the seventies, if you got a degree, you were not set, but you know what I mean? You at least had a lot of doors. Open Somebody would hire you. Yeah, Joe, period. You, you were going to get a job. That's not even Joe, the thing. When you, when you started, you described how like a college athlete would have to go to class, go to school, go to you know practice, go to class, go back. And he, if he did all that and graduated from college, like that would that would be the first guy I would want to hire. I don't even care how well he played basketball. Like that's a tough thing to do. But today, like you got to do so much more than just you know live a regimented lifestyle. Well, unless you're, you know, 2019 Mississippi State or Florida State in 2006, and <laughs> Texas Tech in the early 90s, Ohio State, Florida, hell, even Texas State, eat them up cats. We all had academic yeah. fraud. It, you know, it happens. But I mean, like, I, I still like the point, John, because it's not worth as much anymore. So, so, so I, I guess would it be kind of like a fixed rate for everybody and then you can sell your likeness, but then does everybody get that fixed rate? Is it just the income? Is it just football, basketball, maybe volleyball? And that's, that's it. No, I think you got to spread it all the way across the board. I think it's the only fair way to do it. Yeah. It's I mean, essentially like the NCAA distributes every NCAA athlete gets X amount. And then outside of that, there's some sort of salary cap that was 
great thought is on what people can get for their personal like. But you would you would say everybody, no matter what, female volleyball, female soccer. I mean, you could soccer, probably have some swimming. sort of. Um, you have to do it across the board. If formula, the but yes, everybody needs to get something. So I agree. I, well, that's not a 19. It's, it's got to be just straight across the board. And it's got to be. I agree that everybody should get something across the board. However, I think there's a clear line you can draw that allows for some to make more money than others. And that's revenue generating sports. Um, most sports lose money. Um, however, football and basketball generate football and basketball generate all basically all men's basketball generate basically all of the money that pours into the NCAA and these schools. And so I think you can, if you, if you're going to draw a line, you can draw a pretty clear line at revenue generating sport players get X amount, non-revenue generating sports players get this amount. And so I think there, I think that's where it starts in drawing a line. And I think, you could probably parse out uh, a little more further than that. However, I think that's a pretty clear line to, to begin the bidding at. Yeah. I mean, it's not whatever does come next. Cause I, I think, and here's a question. Do you think it's inevitable at this point, be it five years, 10 years, maybe even 30 years, but I doubt much longer than that. We're going to be paying players, right? Like, do you see this at, like it's inevitable or do you just, Eric, you disagree. No, I just don't know that it'll be under whatever the guys, the current form of the NCAA is, right? Like, I'm not entirely sure that all these schools and all these separate athletic programs continue to operate under the NCAA guidance. Like, there have been talks of forming super conferences and those kind of things outside the NCAA for a while. And for football especially, I think it could be very possible to do that. Now, doing it with basketball, considering the Revenue that the NCAA tournament makes might be a little more complicated, but specifically for football, I certainly see in the future there are possi- there's a possibility for all your best, biggest football teams that are competing for the national championships each and every year to play football outside of the traditional NCAA structure. All y'all that are doing that, please invite Baylor with you. We'd appreciate it. I'm just curious. Is it just me? Yep. Is it just me? Or does it not seem like the NCAA has makes a bag load of money and they could just give it back to schools? Like, I just feel like they're not somebody who's like making one percent. I feel like they're making ninety nine percent of the profit, and it's just like I feel like they're just they could. I feel like if you took all the profit they had and cut it in half and just gave it back to colleges. They would still be doing okay, and they still yeah, be fine. They're they are a drug cartel. Their drug is sport, and they don't pay their laborers just like a lot of drug cartels. Like they are a cartel. And we're the and addicts. If I'm then, we're the addicts. Yo, add one hundred percent. We're the addicts. People like I paid extra for NBA TV. I paid extra for NBA TV because there were games that weren't on broadcast. I'm willing to bet the three of y'all have bought that UT channel. Like we are all addicts, and no. I know it. So but if I you're them, cancel my Bleacher Report because your own <laughs> cup is not. But if you're the NCAA, would you ever tighten the purse strings, or would you ever? Sorry, would you ever loosen? If you if you're sitting on the member, if you're a board member of the NCAA, will you ever concede anything? But because I'm that's what I'm getting at. I think it, they will. I think they'll have to, but I don't know if they want to. I mean, obviously they don't. Well, when I look at it, I just look at think it looks so apparent that they're this powerful group. Holding all them, yeah, exactly. As you're explaining, man, just like it looks so obvious, and I'm just curious. 
you can't have that much money and you got to give it away. You got to give it to the people who make those plays. Listen, liberal man. This is America's number one most conservative podcast, bro. You can make as much as you want. Um, I, I had a name I wanted to bring up and I was curious here if your guys uh, could remember it. <laughs> this week's quiz, everybody. Wow. <laughs> Ty- uh, how many beers have you had today? Two. Tyron, right. Tyron right. Prothrow. Nah. I recognize the name Alabama. Yep. Wow. Running hey, back. You, you tend to know yep. all that stuff. I can't remember what he did. He, he was the guy who caught the pass over the shoulder of the guy from like Mississippi. Oh like, yeah. And he landed. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I can see the play. Yeah. The, yeah next week, the next week he broke his leg. It's true. And we don't know his name. Nobody like, I remember that play in Alabama. Could ha- run that play till the end of time, but that guy will never get paid for it. Sure. Story. Rob, do you see it as inevitable? Do you do you see that, that at least some form of college athlete getting paid is coming, or do do you think that it's, it's a possibility that the NCAA keeps it under wraps? I don't see a world in which the NCAA can exist under the current format because. I believe schools will break away from the NCAA, like what he was saying with the Power Five conferences, because um, the the thing with the NCAA is it makes all of its money off of college basketball. And it lost a case in 1984 where it was an, an antitrust case in 1984, the NCAA versus the Board of Regents for the University of Oklahoma and the University of Georgia. Um, it was an antitrust case in which uh, the Supreme Court found that the NCAA was um, unreasonably restraining trade of its member universities by limiting the number of college football games that could be telecast in a conference's region. And so these schools challenged the NCAA's control of that and eventually ended up winning against the NCAA to gain control of media rights for football. And so that gave conferences and schools control of the media rights for football. So the NCAA actually doesn't make its money off the TV rights for football, whereas the NCAA has came to an agreement with Turner Sports in 2010 um, for $10.8 billion. It was a 14-year deal worth $10.8 billion. And then in 2016, the NCAA signed an eight-year extension with Turner through 2032 for eight, another $8.8 billion. Um, so I think that's $19.6 billion, if my math is correct. Yeah. And so uh, so the NCAA... The NCAA is, is over the course of 22 years going to make $19.6 billion off just not, not all college basketball. That's not just all controlled by the NCAA. It's just the NCAA tournament television rights. And that's what keeps the NCAA so rich. But that's not Damn to boy. say that these schools and conferences don't have a ton of money pouring in every year for football. Because and so with that, I think these colleges and uh, these universities and conferences with that football money 
could break away from the NCAA, don't need the trickle down from these media contracts that the NCAA has signed with Turner Sports. And they, they break away and they make their own contractual agreements for their own smaller basketball tournament just amongst these power conferences. And so I think in order for the NCAA to compete with the conferences and schools that it governs, it must legislate paying players because I think the, the easy way for these Power Five conferences to escape is, hey, we're going to start paying players. And then what good player will ever go to the other NCAA league when there's a Power Five league that pays its players? So I, I just don't see a world where the NCAA can continue to operate the way it does with its amateurism um, approach and compete with the prospects of these conferences and universities that are that that aren't entirely dependent on the NCAA. They don't they don't rely on that 19.6 billion dollars entirely. That's a nice trickle down to get, but there's a whole heck of a lot of money going into these FBA football bowl subdivision schools for football media rights. And so I think they have an opportunity to break away and the NCAA is has a competitor that it currently has under its control that can break away. So many kids, basketball players specifically, and but when I say so many, it, it's a new trend at least, but there are some, and it's happening more and more each year, that are skipping college altogether, going and playing in Australia or going and playing in even the G League sometimes, like go, going and getting paid even a modest salary and skipping school altogether. The difference is obviously that as a 19-year-old basketball player, you can basically play against anybody. You know what I mean? But as a 19-year-old football player, at 19, you can't play against 29-year-old dudes. Like, you just – that's not – maybe a few. You know what I mean? But, like, that's not physically safe. It's not going to happen. I mean, you, you could genuinely get destroyed. So, would you watch – I mean, I guess it's kind of almost what you're promoting. Like, it, it, if that was the case, some form of either NCAA, the Power 5 break off, or just in general, they make a G League for football, like, basically a 23 and under league, would you all support that? Like if say like, you know, say it wasn't necessarily the Longhorns and the Bears and, you know, whatever, you know, Notre Dame, whatever your alma mater might be. If it was just a new 12-ish team league like the XFL or whatever, but it was just dudes that were under, say, 25 or 23 or whatever. Would you all watch that? I mean, as somebody who watched the XFL this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I want <laughs> I uh, to be a summer league every year. So, yeah, I watch it. Same. Yeah, exactly. Same, dog. I, we're hooked on sports. We, that's why the cartel can run. So maybe that's – damn, maybe yeah, – I guess that's what you're doing. I mean, and- I mean, part of that, though, has to do with what is the competition you're facing in the sports world when you schedule that, right? Like that was part of the issue with the XFL originally is that they were trying to play in a time of year where they couldn't actually compete. Yeah. So I think that would be a big part of this. So what did they do? They uh, they posted up during baseball season because I know people are bored as shit watching baseball. I'm kidding. We don't got to go down that way. Uh, speaking of the XFL, though, here's a fun question. This is not this week's quiz, but it's a fun question. Who do you think gets paid more? And before you snap to judgment, know that it's within $2,000. Just just know that. Who gets paid more? The average XFL, XFL player salary or an NFL water boy? And know that ahead of time, they get paid within $2,000 of each other. Water boy. Water, do, do benefits, health benefits count? <laughs> just salary. <laughs> just salary. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing XFL because there have to be some XFL players who actually. You got to think about the location of the facilities. Dude, there's a lot of, there's a lot of train systems in those big cities. <laughs> 
Transportation wow. costs. Uh, but yeah, so uh, XFL average, and yeah, like obviously quarterbacks in XFL make more, or whatever. But XFL average contract fifty five k. NFL water boy is fifty three k. Oh, Y'all. damn! And, and, and you're going you're, to be a water boy right now, dude. I want right? to keep my job. Can I just show up on like a couple of Sundays a year and get paid fifty three? Like the, oh, any amount of preparation on, is man. nothing. You're selling those guys. Have you watched Hard Knocks? Those dudes got to be out there for Come on. 10, 15 hours an hour a day. Like, yeah, they're working. They're working. They they're working, too. water boys. Yeah. Moving that ice. In my head, I want a 53K to just kind of sit around a water cooler every Sunday and watch the game. Is that not Is that not what I'm going to get? Is that, I mean, you could happening? try it, but I don't think you're going to get hit. <laughs> you don't get a great view. You do have to stand behind the linemen. Like, you, you don't get the best view of the field as a water boy. That's fair. I'm not a, I'm not a big dude. So, Rob, what else you got, man? Because of the four of us here, I mean, I know Johnny, you guys watch sports. Oh, I got a lot more than me. But, um, uh, but Rob here, did a Rob, paper. Rob actually did real research on this. I've read most of the paper. I did not make well, it through. Rob so scares me. Well. Rob makes me think that pretty soon, like American sports could be dying like football. In the same way I used to think no, about just look Yeah, that would be a different name. Well, it, I, that would be a tricky situation, actually, like for sure. If you're going to break off and do independent. Um, league for the Power Five conferences. What's your academic requirements and what your tie is to the academic part of being a student athlete or whatever? That's an interesting question. I have no idea what they would decide on that. Are we splitting ties all together in this scenario? Like you, you, you as an eighteen-year-old kid are admitting I'm not going to school. I'm just going to play ball. Ooh. Is that? Is I don't that think people we're... would go for that, dude. That looks. That's a bad look. That's where I was aiming. That's a real bad yeah. look. Parents are not wanting their kids to do that. I don't know. But so I don't know I, go that far, but I think, you know, given that the NCAA, it's two prime objectives. It's what it says its charter is, is enforcement and eligibility. And so eligibility has to do with the student athletes, keeping them eligible. And the other is enforcement. And they said as part of enforcement, that part of that is postseason bans. But on the NCAA's website, it says that uh, it does not want to enforce postseason bans. And why is that? Why is that? Because the NCAA owns the rights to the basketball postseason. They don't want to take uh-huh. the big players from the TV show that they're putting on. They aren't going to take out their main cast. They, you know, Arizona just got popped. And it's still unclear what their penalty is going to be, even though there are 2017 tapes from the FBI with Sean Miller, the head coach, discussing sweaty table payments to DeAndre Ayton. So it's just uh-huh. it's absurd. They they their two charter purposes are enforcement and eligibility, and they right off the bat on their website admit that they aren't going to do the enforcement function when it is contrary to their financial interest. So it's absurd for them to exist if they aren't going to serve the purposes they say they're there to do. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. So, so the NCAA just doesn't serve its function. And so, um, you know, uh, basically all they are is a funnel for the, these TV contracts that they negotiated. But, you know, I mean, people break contracts. It happens. And, you know, I'm sure it would just be a disaster between uh, this. It would be a very 
interesting legal battle between the oh, and the NCAA when this all goes down. And I think that's why, part of the reason why it hasn't happened because it's going to be such a mess. So that's going to be expensive for everybody when it happens. If it Rob, legally, do you think they could do it sport by sport or would they have to do it all at once? Oh, yeah. Rob, as a lawyer, uh, what do you think? And with CBS, show it. I think I- – well, that's why that's why I talked about the football teams being able to do it because of the basketball deal, the NCAA, yeah. the CBS contract, all that. Like that's why I suggested just football doing it, but I don't know how that would work within the NCAA or within the universities themselves. Yeah. So I, I, what I'll say there is, I, I I think it would be if you if you were gonna do it, I guess you could to make it easier on yourself, you could do it and leave basketball in the NCAA. Um, yeah, but that that sounds messy to me. Um, I don't think that would be a route that would be taken. Um, and I do believe that the NCAA owns some rights to the football postseason uh, to the bowls. And so, yeah, like you wouldn't be able to play in bowls. You would create essentially your own right. version of a national. So, so it'd be like so. So I think I don't think that would be you know something that universities would go for um i I just i don't see that happening i think it's a a clean break all the way um getting out of the from under the guise of the ncaa but um honestly i did i have not read those turner media contracts and uh how how they address how they address the conferences and schools specifically but I don't. I, John read them. John, what did they say? <laughs> yeah, John prepared for this podcast. Thank you, and uh, John, thank you for jumping on this podcast last second because Vance was supposed to, but he's doing a, a Zoom costumed meeting. So uh, anyway, so we'll get back next. I week. didn't get past um, the Cubs play on Tuesdays. <laughs> wow! But so I, anybody I, still I believe? But I didn't get past that part. <laughs> does anybody still believe these kids aren't getting paid? Does anybody still believe that like Cam Newton's parents weren't actually paid? You know what I mean? Like we're, we all just agree to this, right? We, everybody is just aware that it's happening and we're all just pretending that it doesn't. Why can't we just so the, jump that chasm? Sure. Yeah, the attitude has changed towards that. I mean, there's stuff, there's stuff about Zion Williamson's parents getting paid. Oh and, God. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. nowhere. That's not, that's not, that was on ESPN for one day and the Cam Newton stuff yeah, it was a blip. was 24 hour news cycle nonstop. So I just think that the NCAA has realized not only have we failed to do our job because, you know, we back in the day, we were able to pop SMU and give them the death penalty. But yeah, one time. We, yeah, but we don't want to do that to anybody else who can make us money in the future. We're not going to mess with them in that way. And so I just think and I think they realize that the attitude has changed on whether or not these kids are getting paid under the table that people just really don't care as much as they used to. And that's why Zion Williamson's thing is a half a day news cycle and Cam Newton's is for a year. And so yeah, I, it was still new when it, when it hit, that was like 2003, 2004 when Cam Newton did. And I remember I, at the time I remember being like kind of surprised, like we kind of all knew it, but I was like, Oh wow, he really did actually. They proved it. How about that? Now, any if, if it even pops up at all, it's like, well, who cares? Like the Reggie Bush thing, who cares? Like, not, like nothing. Like, we all. He, he doesn't deserve that Heisman. I'll just tell you that right now. Since young <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I, care about that one. I care about Reggie Bush getting paid, but I don't care about Zion. <laughs> Everybody else, like that's just where we're at now. No one still believes that this is some, you know, the the idea. I mean, I really like that term. I actually hadn't heard it before, but but uh, shit, dang it, what was it? Sham. Say it again. Yeah, yeah, dude. Okay, that's like that's that's just where we're at now. So what what do you think it'll take? Two, three, power five conferences to do it. Ah. Uh, I think you get 35. Like, that's the, the football schools now. I mean, Pac-12, go whatever. We don't care that you're not playing. Let's take the Big Ten, Big 12, SEC, and ACC, and we'll be good. Yeah, we could leave the ACC out, man. SEC, Big, <laughs> 12, um, Big 12. I'm just a homer for the Big 12, but I think people would argue that the Pac-12. But it, I think it takes three of those five conferences to break away. And then it all starts disintegrating, and people start jumping ship. And it's what happened with the Big 12 and the Longhorn Network. When the when the Longhorn Network came about, you know, people were pissed that, you know, UT was going to get its own TV deal and it wasn't going to be dispersed to the conference instead of like, you know, the SEC network being dispersed to all. They disperse all their money to all the schools. Hmm. Yeah, I kind of blame UT for that. You guys fucked up the Big 12. You forced out the eggs. You for, like you, you kind of brought about We forced out. Yep. You we, did you did it and you made we, everybody else yell. Everybody too. left. Y'all want y'all didn't want to spend the contract price. The you did it, everybody got mad and they all bailed. All right. So I, I think we're all clearly on well, look, I think we're all in agreement. No, well, if we're in agreement that I think that football is doomed to fail over a hundred years. Yeah, absolutely. I think that moving into a big power conference, yeah. Right off the get-go, it'll be amazing. But 20 years later, you won't have those same games like Michigan versus Michigan State or Fresno State versus U- USC. You'll lose a lot within football. You'll lose that. I mean, pe- that, in theory, that's true, but people adjust all the time, right? Like Nebraska and OU was a huge rivalry in the Big huge. 8, and now they don't play. In a- no one cares. I mean Texas and Texas A and M like that. How many times has that happened since they broke off once? Yeah, uh, hasn't. Oh, it still hasn't happened. And you guys don't. I don't think in football, right? And you still watch every football game. Like it's not like you're not tuning in because that rivalry is no longer there. I don't watch that shit. Even in soccer, right? Like think about Rangers and Celtic, John. Like I did watch them bankrupt and. They dropped him down to the bottom of the league, and they yeah. worked way back up. It was a great summer. But life went on, right? Like people kept rooting for the team. It has. Well, like it's not. We're talking about UT, Ohio State, Florida State, USC. That's what, that's what Rob's all saying. going into some super conference. Right. Yeah, so the rivalry's still there. What's and the all that's going to be is the NFL 2.0. But then we'll get used to that. What happens to? The other schools, the McMurray States, the Appalachians. They make zero money and their football program dies, basically. I think that's what happened. Which is so then when they die, so what then all you have is the NFL and that twenty team NCAA. Or you have true student athletes again and they play people realize they can't be pros, right? They can't be second tier pros. So they actually then those all form into the old school NCAA, and then you have student athletes that are true student athletes again playing for scholarships. That's another. I think that's another playing, thing that could happen. Playing for scholarships it will, it will, and true NCAA Division Two. That's the way we'll think about it. 
but they'll be playing truly for the love of the game. If you want to call yourself a student athlete, that's what you should the be. The love of the game, or maybe your decision making, or maybe your decision making goes back to academics, right? Maybe if you get offered a scholarship at Stanford and Georgia Tech, or I don't know, Georgia or whatever, maybe you choose to go to Stanford or whatever the good. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good school that would be like you know Harvard, Yale, that kind of thing, right? Sure. Like you could go play at Michigan State, or you could go play at Harvard. Yeah. And you actually have to choose between the academic value of Harvard and not having all of your time spent on football, or do you want to actually be a professional athlete more or less? And, and so you want to be a student or a pro? Something that students will have to weigh. And so this is these numbers are from 2012. Um, my deep dive on the NCAA was in 2013, 14. Um, and so, the, so I have some, uh, numbers that I wasn't able able to update, but they, they haven't changed too much because the contracts have remained the same, although tuitions have gone up. But in 2012, a study for the fair market value of a college athlete. So uh, the value of uh, on year to year basis of a, of a scholarship to go to school, $23,000. Okay, average. The fair market value of an FBS football player and what he brings in, what what revenue he generates for his school um, on a yearly basis was $450,000 a year. Um, the fair market value for an FBS basketball player, fair market value year to year revenue generation, $1 million a year. So these these are the kinds of numbers and parameters that that, that are being withheld from student athletes who want once this jump happens to NFL second tier pro level and then McMurray States, you know, you you people are going to go try to get their fair market value when there is a four hundred thousand dollar gap between what they should earn and what they are earning. So I just I that's why I think it's inevitable that this has to happen. And I thought that this year there would be a school or two or a, an athlete or a football player or two who was a star who would would make this stand on, I'm not going back and risking it with COVID going on for yeah. free. And so I... Yeah, this one's like... A- golden opportunity to make this argument right is that like now that my health and safety is a hundred percent part of the game here like i should be more compensated and have more agency in my compensation for this and i'm really it really is interesting that no player or group of schools tried to do that yeah i didn't hear one word from that point of view like not one so i wonder if it's too hard to organize or if it's just one of those things or just Everything was so up in the air that nobody knew what was happening. Anyway. I think people talk. I think some people, some football players talked about it, but nobody who held enough weight. No Trevor Lawrence right. did it, you know? Right. And that's the thing. In college, there's very few players that can do that, right? Like, I guess Justin Fields, didn't he try to transfer? And they wouldn't let yeah. him, like Georgia? Oh, well, well, he was, he wanted to, he was saying, I want to play football this year. He wasn't saying, I want to yeah. play, I want to, I need to be paid. He was saying, I want to play football this year and the big 10 is not going to play. So let me go play. And that's, but that's a guy 
who needs doesn't need to play necessarily, but needs to play to go prove himself to go get that huge NFL contract. So he he didn't want to take a year off because he thought that would hurt his draft to go cash in in the NFL. Uh, so no, so no one really of uh, uh, any stature really made that stance, and so. Um, I, as, as this was all going on, I was really, really wondering if that was going to happen. And, uh, and that is something, you know, that the NCAA has got a lot of flack for. It. You're making us, you're, you're making these kids go risk it. You're making these kids go risk it. Well, actually, no. no, it's not the NCAA doing that. That's, that's the conferences and schools that are making it yeah. because the schools get the money from that sport. And so it's the schools that are pushing the caretakers of these kids are the ones pushing this forward. Uh, so, uh, so the, and to be fair, some of them wanted to play, right? Like, oh, no doubt, yeah. no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. But can you imagine those meetings of like, you know, so all ten of the the Big Twelve? I know it's weird, but all ten of the Big Twelve heads all sit down in a room with no cameras and no recording. They're all just like, so we're playing, right? Like, we guys, we all. Billion dollars, we're all gonna. All right, so let's go play. Like that was the end of that meeting. Like guaranteed, that happened on every conference. Why money, the, money. All right, cool. Well, not every conference. Why wouldn't the student? Oh, yeah, yeah. Be like, oh hell yeah, I get a whole year off to go study. Oh man, paid <laughs> one year to study. Uh, I don't gotta work out. I'm a student athlete. You know, I'll go, I'll go for jogs. You know, I got the time to go. You know, study. I'm gonna go to the library. You know what? I'm gonna go to the mess hall, find out what they're serving today. You know, like why can't sure you be excited? Especially if it's your impact sports and his body needs time to recover. Why not take one year off? Isn't that a smart play for an athlete? Yeah, that's what I've been doing for so long. Is the money so big that he has to go for it? He has to go for it now. He has to go for it at every chance he. If I had it, any opportunity, the NCAA is forcing people into desperation. They're forcing them to play as hard as they can. Got to risk it. They won't make million dollars. Butter that biscuit. So, what is thriving now? And this is a purposeful left turn. Is uh, during COVID and such is e sports, uh, electronic sports and such. And last year, uh, early 2019, the NCAA board unanimously agreed to pass on all e sports. They got together, they had a whole thing, they had a whole vote, and literally nobody, everybody was like, I don't want it. Nobody said they wanted it, yada, yada, yada. Well, now it's friggin' huge. It has blossomed since COVID's going on. Like, uh, it's, <laughs> we'll start here. Do, do you guys believe that esports will ever be even close, even remotely close to as popular as, say, March Madness? Do you think there will ever be a time when there are groups of dudes, even families, sitting around watching these events? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's already happening in other countries. They go to Japan, they don't give a shit about March Madness, but they'll watch like some StarCraft, you know, end of the game tournament, you know, like just because it's not happening. If you're talking about America, you mean like in America, would people care more about watching you play video games? Is that what you're asking about? Sure. I mean, just for, you know, just to context, you know, give some form of a context question. Do you, do you think American families are ever sitting down on Thanksgiving and choosing to watch Esports over football. Not for a very long time. I, there's there's got to be a lot, lot of cultural yeah. changes, and our society has to change in a lot of ways for that to happen. I, I do. Although I, think, I will say that, like 
kids now do grow up watching Twitch, watching people play video games on YouTube, right? So as those kids get older and they have kids that teach them how to do that and want view that as a form of entertainment. I do think 50 years from now, it is certainly possible that while there's a Sunday night football game going on, there's also the esports rocket league championship that families are watching as well. That is, that seems in play to me. I think my niece and nephew would rather go play Fortnite than watch the Cowboys play on Thanksgiving. I agree. Honestly. And that brings me to this week's quiz. Get it. We're going to go with the excessively brilliant assessment, loosely linking sports. E-balls. E-balls. All right. So according to esportsearnings.com, how many people have earned at least $1 million playing esports for a living? Jesus. Yeah, their their entire lifetime. How many people have made a million? I don't know. 500? I'm going to go with 1,200. I'm going to go with 1,201. <laughs> you are all way off. 92. Uh, 92 uh, people have made a million. <laughs> I had no idea. Congrats, yeah. Robert. 92 dudes. Price is wrong. Should have gone the one. Real close. Uh, a couple dozen others have made 900K and plenty more above 500,000. Like it's just that's on the right. Can so you that's what guess? they made lifetime, not per year? Yeah, lifetime. Lifetime. Dude, but there are a couple. Ter- well, we got one more down. Is that just a catch. game? Yo. Or is that uh, also in like image rise? Is that in? No, just gaming. Yeah, this is this uh, is literally just, oh, just like tournament so, winnings. Just by tournament. We're not like, like, uh, that one guy I'm sponsored by Bud Light me. now. And OK, gotcha. so anyways, what is I'm going to name you three games. What is the highest single tournament championship winnings of the, you know, you got to play a whole play in thing and yada, yada, yada. But which one, the championship game paid the most Fortnite, Counter-Strike or D-O-T-A, which is essentially like a Starcraft kind of a thing, best I can tell. But which one of those three paid the most of one game? Of course, you had to play a ton of games to get there and blah, blah, blah. It was the Starcraft, DMT. Gotcha. I'll go Counter-Strike. Are you gonna go Fortnite, Rob? Fortnite. All right, dude. Counter Strike, the uh, the number one championship in 2019, paid 1.8 million. Fortnite paid three million dollars to one Ooh. dude who won it. The DOTA paid 6.9 million dollars. Uh, I told you, I they heard of <laughs> to one dude. That's they don't insane. Care about college football over there? It changed. Much, it, it, they would much rather watch it. David, where was that? Behind this. Did you find out where that was by chance? I, I could look it back up real quick. But no, I don't actually know. Okay, that's fair. How many women have made over $100,000 playing eSports? Hmm. You know what? The million? 9,300. <laughs> uh, 110. Uh, only 110? I have no idea. <laughs> but only? 250. Three. Okay. Yeah. 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 Dude. All right. So yeah, uh the top earning female, three hundred and eighty thousand, then two hundred forty thousand, hundred twenty five. Well, how, how many people how many people under eighteen years of age have made a million dollars? Again, just from tournament winnings, though? Just from tournament winnings. Un- under 18. They are still in high school. They cannot buy cigarettes. Although I guess cigarettes are twenty one years old now, but you get the point. They can't vote and they're a millionaire. How many? <laughs> eighteen. Uh, I'm gonna go f- twenty five hundred. Four. 
My math is correct. I was off by 88. John's going to be there at one point. These guys are on top. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. But no, it's like the, the whole purpose of that was just to, there's that much money behind it. I mean, the actual top, there's a 17-year-old that made $3 million. Another one made 2.5 and then a couple of little slightly over 1.3, yada, yada, yada. But like there's kids making millions of dollars doing that right now at 17 playing video games. And yet we won't let a 19 year old basketball player make a dime. Like it's done that it, it, it's a, I think esports are coming and it's just going to happen, but that's a whole separate issue tying it back to the NCAA thing. It's done. If you're going to let, and that's, that's why the NCAA didn't want to touch it is that there's these 17 year old kids already making so much money. They didn't, in my opinion, I'm guessing here, they didn't know how to get their hands on it. They didn't know how to get like, you know, their reign on it or whatever, but a bunch of other universities did. There are now, on you know university sponsored essentially groups i guess i mean basically conferences there are actual conferences there's the electronic gaming federation the national association of collegiate sports and like teams that you've heard of are like you know i guess like ohio state has a team and they're in the american collegiate esports league like that's coming and these kids are making money on the side doing it. so like the ncaa i think just is they're just so old school like, I think I just picture a bunch of really old dudes smoking cigars, drinking whiskey. So, you know what I mean? Like, not Absolutely. like, I, I really, I just don't think they're ready for change. And I think change is coming no matter what. And, in, in, you know, in my opinion, I suppose. Um, yeah, I got a couple of random ass questions. Rob, do you have any more on the NCAA? Because I got, I got questions just on sports in general. I, do. I have a couple things that I have left out that I'd like to just kind of that help frame my loss of for my college football team you know and thinking of it more as more of a pro sports team you know um yeah so um just some numbers real quick it's it's based on the way the sports revenue is dispersed um so in 2018 ut's athletic program revenue um was 219 million dollars and they spent 206 million dollars back on the athletic program um for a four-year period uh 2015 to 2018 40 million dollars went from the athletic program to the school so one year 219 million dollars revenue over a four-year period 40 million dollars going back to the school averaging 10 million dollars a year 2018 alone University of Texas football program spent $11.1 million on its football coaches. So they spend more on their football coaches than they send back to the school. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of what uh, drove home that divide for me. Um, Where does the rest of that go? Just into dude's pockets? Big business. Just dude's pockets though. Like, where yeah, it, it goes into the high ranking, high ranking executives pockets. You know I mean? Y'all, sorry about that. Issues and things and sound technicalities and whatnots. In general, the three of y'all, would you say that you are anywhere near the fan of sports, be it college or professional or, or otherwise? In general, do you just like sports as much as you used to? I probably don't like college as much as I used to, but I like pro more than I used to. More than you used to. And I think that's probably just has to do with age, right? It's like as I got older, it felt weird caring what a 20 year old kid did or did not accomplish on an athletic field. Mm. But the pro thing, I think I became more interested in one, the business side of it and the planning and execution of it. And then there's also, I think more narrative within the pro too, that I think is interesting. Like 
if this player doesn't succeed on the court, whether or not will he leave his team and go somewhere else or what is his relationship with this person or that person within the organization? I think that's all more interesting now. So the drama is almost more interesting. Yeah, the narrative. Yes, exactly. The drama and the narrative. There's literally a storyline in every single team that I think can be as interesting as what's actually happening on the field of play. And as interesting as scripted TV shows, in my opinion, more interesting. It's reality TV. Yeah, it's reality TV with millionaires that play a game that I enjoy. But like looking back, like in high school, thinking about and watching college athletes, like I thought they were gladiators. Like I thought they were like, you know, in my head, they were adults and these giant, you know, human beings. Like they were just these mystical like creatures. And now watching like a 19 year old miss a field goal, like I just get sad. Like I used to hate yeah. that guy. Like you lost the game, Brett Shepard. And I was like, that poor kid. Like he's nineteen. Like I, I hope he's okay. And maybe that's what it is. Is it's just humanizing these athletes more? In my older age, I'm realizing they they are just they're just dudes. <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, they're kids. Well, I guess so. Yeah, I'm at literally children. Like this, yeah, I mean, mine's become more focused. I care more about the NBA now than I ever have, but I don't care about the other sports that I cared about. So it's just become more focused on just the NBA and in, in part because of that business aspect that he's talking about, of uh, what's going to play into where people move and stuff like that. And I find the player empowerment in the NBA to be so fascinating. And it's been a revo- revolutionary thing with LeBron James. Dude. It's it's so it's ridiculous. What he has done and continues to do is absurd. I mean, 30 years ago, that was impossible. You couldn't do it. Now he's letting all the, I mean, KD's kind of trying to do it. Not as good. But you know what I mean? Like he, he is starting a trend where these players that they know they have the power because they're the ones that have the skills and it's not the manager anymore. And it's not the, you know, the, certainly not the team owner anymore. It's, it's all about the athlete. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you in that. Like the NBA is the only sport I really like care about anymore. Like, do you still follow the NFL though? Like, do you still follow like Major League Baseball? I watch the NFL. I follow the NFL pretty closely. Uh, Major League Baseball, not so much. The game has changed so much, and so um, it's just a totally different game now. This is falling apart at the end. Technical difficulties, y'all, and such. Um, all right. Well, then I do want to leave you with this because I wanted to end with like a zinger on Texas. So, and this is serious, y'all. I, I swear to God, this is 100% true. I Googled, I Googled just the words, Univ, I didn't even spell it university, just U-N-I-V. I Googled, quote, Univ, Texas football scandal. I swear to God, this really happened. First article comes up, it's NPR. It's about some shit y'all did in the 60s. I don't care. Second one was an LA Times article about some shit that ended up being proven untrue. Third article was a hook'em.com article about an admission scandal, something to do with grades, which literally every school has. Number four was a Burnt Orange Nation article praising the Texas staff for making the right decision when presented with evidence about possible sexual misconduct. And the number five article, though, this is where I got you. The number five article was the Wikipedia article on the Baylor football rape case. hey God Oh, yeah, well, that's a big Why did that even... The fifth one that came up was ripping on me. I was so mad. It was so, there's, Y'all have nothing. Y'all have nothing like that. I mean, I'm sure you do. You know what I mean? You never got caught, at least. But Truth. yeah, I wanted to end with like a zinger, and it did fucking Baylor. Sick him. Well, at least this wasn't the murder case. Well, you know, that, that happened too. A couple of them, actually. More than one. More than, more than one. Karma! <laughs>
Oh, good God. Rob, I did want to, I was going to tie in Baylor with some God talk, but I think your computer's falling off, so I don't know how we'd even get into the groove on that. God doesn't want me to talk about that. Um, (laughs) But uh, I will say that SMU got the death penalty right after they beat Texas. As soon as SMU beat Texas, death penalty. Craig James takes no credit. Exactly. Oh, Mess with the bull, you get the horns. Well, y'all, thanks for struggling through the uh, the audio on this one. But, uh, you know, good stuff. Thanks for listening, and uh, see you next time.